Hi everyone, welcome to the EMA cast and I'm lucky enough today to be with our EMA board member um, and new board, new board member, um, Alex Zhang. Now Alex is the CEO and Principal Advisor or Immigration Advisor at Chance Immigration and Education. Welcome Alex. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Look, can you please start by just telling me a little, a little about what your, your role is now? Okay. Um, I've been running my uh, immigration and education consulting business since uh, 2009. So it's been uh, more than 13 years now. And uh, uh, and my uh, service is uh, to provide immigration and education uh, consulting uh, service for uh, uh, my clients Mm. and international students. Uh, for their uh, education and immigration needs. Brilliant. So I imagine you're a very busy man. Um, our recent skill shortage survey came out and obviously we, we can't find people and immigration is, is one of the answers, but also education. So yes. you must be you must be having a lot of work at the moment, Alex. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, well, I mean, of course, for the last uh, three years, because of the pandemic, our border is closed. Yes. So for the... Uh, education part is is pretty quiet okay uh, but since uh, last year after the border is fully open and uh, international students are coming back gradually mm. uh, especially from this year uh, when I talk to uh, uh, some of the universities uh, international departments and they uh, all come back to me saying that the uh, the student number uh, picking up, uh, okay. and uh, and they expect that the total number will uh, resume, uh, will come back to the uh, pre-COVID number. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Look, it's interesting because I've um, I've read a lot of research on New Zealand and how attractive it is to skilled workers from overseas, and there's a kind of a sense that that attraction has to decreased a little bit for students and for workers. Have you found anything to correlate that? Yes, um, I, I do have a, a, a same feeling uh, because, uh, you know, we are not the only destinations for the international students mm. in uh, uh, other countries like Canada and Australia. Yes. They are also competing with us. So yeah. so we are, we are now uh, in a very competitive world and they are all looking for the same talents yes. and same uh, international students, and so we are competing with them. And if well, our policy are not attractive enough, we might lose them. Brilliant. So you think that's what we need to address to make it more attractive? Is is our is make our policies easier to work with? Yep. And also, I mean, don't forget the uh, the international students uh, coming here not only uh, to. Uh, to study to get a qualification but mm. also to look for the residency yes so if our immigration policy are not attractive enough that will afford, affect the uh, the uh, you know the enrollment for the international students as well brilliant look uh, so look Alex I might start off with the the formal questions okay. by just asking you to tell me a little bit about your background in in business okay well um, I um, completed my uh, bachelor degree in China uh, and then I work uh, as a translator for a stay-on company and then later for the local government okay. before uh, I came to New Zealand uh, in 2002. Right. So in the f- uh, first two years after I came to New Zealand, I studied my MBA, but at the same time I uh, was running a, a private school uh, 
for uh, international students okay. uh, and offering IELTS preparation courses uh, for them as well as uh, other courses at diploma level. Okay, sounds and busy. And then um, since 2009, as mentioned, I've been running uh, immigration and education consulting business until now. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. So I'm um, just doing an MBA and running a business would have been would have been hard. Yes, yes, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, you can imagine how uh, how hard it would be uh, to set up a, a new business, uh, not to mention uh, to to do a startup business in a strange uh, country. In, yes, of course. In a, in a strange environment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also. Uh, uh, it's even harder for me at that time because I have to uh, run my own business at the same time uh, coping with uh, my MBA studies. Yes, yeah. yes indeed. And and in a new environment, as you say. So yeah. big ups to you for getting through that, Alex, yeah. to be fair. As, as a migrant, you, know, you can imagine that you need to adapt yourself to a, a, a new uh, environment. And, you know, you, uh, and, and also I have to... Uh, cope with the uh, new education system because I I completed my uh, previous education in China, yes. which is uh, you know a quite different uh, system in uh, than New Zealand. Uh, cool. So thank you for that, Alex. Mm. Look, the next question I want to ask is about your your early career. You've mentioned you're a translator mm -hmm. in China. What was what were the conditions like back then in the workforce in China? Okay. I, I grew up in a, in a city uh, called Shenzhen, which is uh, next to Hong Kong. Okay. And uh, after I completed my uh, bachelor degree, I worked as a translator for a stay-owned company, and then later the local government okay. of Shenzhen. Um, Shenzhen is is uh, was a very small uh, village. Uh, uh, with only 30,000 people okay. uh, 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but uh, after 40 years development, it, it now becomes uh, a metropolitan of uh, more than 20 million people wow. just f in 40 years. So, so, so that was amazing. You know, it was one of the most dynamic and fast growing cities in China. Wow. So I should say that it, when I was working there, the uh, salary and the work condition uh, was the best in China. Great. Um, but having said that, I, I, uh, I think I always had, uh, uh, and you know, I always want to explore the world, and I, I want to s see uh, how different the, the other part of the world. So, I guess that you know, if, even if it was the best in China, yes. it is probably not. Good enough for me, and, <laughs> okay. and I, I just want to, um, you know, live a different life, and uh, you know, and 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 that's that's how I, I end up here in New Zealand. Okay, uh, yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you, Alex. That, that's um that's an interesting background. Yeah. And did you imagine when you were back in China that this is where you'd end up career-wise in New Zealand uh, in this role? Uh, absolutely no. Uh, I have been to um, U.S. Europe and uh, Australia and New Zealand in the past. Uh, among all these countries, I like New Zealand the best. Right. So I applied for the uh, residence uh, for New Zealand, and then I obtained my residence visa uh, just in three months' time. Wow. So 
because at that time, 20 years ago, it was a lot easier to okay. uh, get the residence than now. Um, but I still have no idea what I'm going to do uh, after I, I came to New Zealand. Okay. Uh, but I only know that I, I probably can uh, survive <laughs> and, uh, because I, I, when I came to New Zealand, I talked to different people, including uh, those sales in the souvenir shop or, or those staff working in the tourist uh, site or uh, including the tour guide. Mm. And all these people appear to me, they uh, settle down very well. Okay. So, uh, and because my major was English and I can speak good English, so I think that if they can s settle well, I'm sure I can. Brilliant. So, so I, then I, I, I uh, after I obtained my, my residence, I, I came to uh, New Zealand. But then I, I I've never thought of uh, uh, working as an IELTS teacher again. Okay. Uh, because, you know, uh, no one need an English teacher in an English-speaking country. But then I, after I came to New Zealand, I realized I was wrong because the, I found there are a lot of international students. Yes. Uh, they, uh, they need to have English, uh, English um, level to meet the entry. Mm. So uh, uh, they, a lot of them, they need the IELTS scores to meet the entry. Right. So I then, uh, which is good for me because I had experience teaching IELTS in, back in China. So, so then I, I, I saw the demand, I decided to set up my uh, uh, own school uh, offering the IELTS preparation courses for Brilliant. international students. Uh, and then uh, since 2009, I, uh, I set up uh, this immigration and education consulting business mm. uh, for uh, clients and students from uh, different parts of the world. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite uh, um, different from, from I had imagined. Okay. And, and uh, I should say that I never imagined that I would end up in my career like this. Brilliant, Alex. And look, I know that that's why you're in such a good position to help um, the Chinese community and you're involved in them heavily. And we'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah. So yeah, I really appreciate that answer. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for that. So look, that that's um, probably, I wanted to cover a bit about your past, but now I want to look to the future. Yeah. And the whole purpose of this um, this podcast was to talk about the future of work. So yeah. um, could I please get your insights, Alex, into what do you think the future of work will be like in New Zealand? Um, now everyone is talking about the post-pandemic era. Uh, I think the uh, COVID-19 has bring, uh, brought a lot of changes uh, to the way people work. Uh, and these changes will persist in the future. Uh, for example, you know, remote uh, work and also flexible uh, work arrangement mm. will be uh, very common uh, in, uh, in the future. And, and therefore, um, you know, this, uh, digital um, technology and, you know, uh, using uh, uh, new marketing platform, mm. communication platform uh, will be common in the future. Yes. And therefore, I think uh, the skilled workers in the IT and digital marketing and uh, online customer service uh, will be uh, popular 
yes. in, the, in the future. And, and also, um, because of the aging population, uh, I think in the future, uh, skilled workers in the uh, healthcare and the social assistance sector mm. will be also highly needed. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, uh, because of the growing awareness of uh, the uh, people's attitude towards the work and life balance. Yes. So I think professionals in this area will be also needed yeah. in the future. But it's yeah. funny you say that, Alex, because I did interview Hannah, um, one, another one of our board members, earlier today, and she's a well-being coach, which yeah. is exclusively focused on just doing that for business, which is a whole new industry, which I could never imagine. Yeah. yeah great. Well, that, that leads me on to another question. Um, what What do you see as the future of artificial intelligence in, in this workplace um, in the next, say, 20, 30 years? Yeah, I mean, this has become a hot topic recently because of the chat GBT. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, the AI technology will uh, make our life uh, easier mm. and also more productive and uh, uh, more efficient, uh, especially for the uh, customer service and support uh, area. Okay. Um, and uh, because I have been using uh, ChatGPT uh, myself uh, recently, I found it really uh, uh, Helpful mm. and, uh, and and makes my my job a lot easier. Okay. And uh, but at the same time, uh, people also had the concern that uh, because of this all this automation happening, um, uh, the the issue of a job displacement will also uh, need to be addressed in the future. So. Uh, I think uh, it requires uh, a rethinking of. Uh, you know uh, how we can offer the training and education to our staff, you know, and also what uh, policies we should introduce to support uh, those people uh, facing the risk of the job displacement. Brilliant. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Thank you, Alex, for that. And it leads me to our next question, which is to prepare for this new future, this this future way of working. What are the essential skills you think people are going to need, both leaders and employees? Uh, obviously, um, number one, you need to uh, improve your digital skills yes. yeah, because of the, all this AI technology and you know ChatGPT, uh, this all kind of this new tools happening. So you need to keep yourself updated with this uh, new technology. So mm. you need to have the, uh, this uh, new uh, digital skills. And also you need to have the uh, cross-cultural uh, skills because uh, you know, uh, you, we are more working in uh, 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 diverse uh, you know, yes. uh, environment with people from different uh, backgrounds and, and nationalities, so you need definitely have this cross-cultural skills, and you also have uh, good communication skills to uh, deal with uh, not only your clients but also your colleagues and your other stakeholders, yes. and uh, you also have the uh, good analytical skills to uh, process and interpret all this uh, the information and mm. data. Because you know we are in the information era, and we are, you know, being uh, 
dealing with different information and data every day. So you need to have a good analytical skills. And of course, lastly, at the end of the day, we're helping our clients to uh, to achieve their needs. So problem solving skills is definitely uh, uh, essential for the for the consultants in in in, the, in my industry, and yes. and it's possibly uh, for all industries, that you need to have this problem solving skills. Brilliant. That ma that makes perfect sense to me. And I and I guess as a person in the education space, you you see these are the skills that people need, and you can you can largely help them help them attain those. So it's it's, it's really great, Alex. Thank, Thank you. you. Yep. That's great. So we have a lot of members out there who would probably appreciate some insights into what should they be doing, Alex, to prepare for the future? What can they do? I think uh, for the employers, they need to uh, obviously invest uh, more in the training uh, for their staff to improve all those skills we mentioned earlier, including the um, uh, analytical skills, mm. digital skills, uh, cross-cultural skills, communication skills, and uh, problem-solving skills. Yes. So uh, I believe it's a must for the employer to uh, invest uh, more in this area. Okay. And also, um, the employer need to foster a culture of innovation uh, within their work environment to encourage their staff to think outside the box and also the employer need to embrace uh, the uh, new in, um, technology yes. uh, instead of avoiding using them. <laughs> uh, and also the employer need to stay up to date the uh, trends and changes in the, in the industry to make sure that they, uh, they meet the needs of, the, of their clients. Yes. And, by doing that, they also need to maintain a good relationship with the their clients, uh, stakeholders, mm. to ensure they always understand their needs. Brilliant. Look, and I can tell you walk the talk on that, Alex, because you mentioned already you've explored AI um, y yourself and, and used it for your for your business. So I think that's really great. And um, yeah, I think a lot of our members can can get some clear takeaways from that. Yeah. And look, I, before we, we move on, I'd just like to ask quickly about your, you work um, with the Chinese business community in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, can you tell briefly about what you do there? Okay. Yeah, I mean, apart from uh, running my own business, I um, spend a lot of time uh, uh, to be involved in the community work as well. Uh, I'm the executive president of Canton Chamber of Commerce. And I'm also a board member of uh, New Zealand China Trade Association. Wow. So being involved with these two organizations, uh, my main job is to promote the trade between uh, China and New Zealand. Okay. And I'm helping uh, you know, the manufacturers uh, back in China to develop their market in New Zealand. Yeah. And I'm also uh, helping the uh, New Zealand business people to explore uh, opportunities in China. Great. So I'm, I'm sort of like uh, serving as a bridge mm. between these two countries. That's brilliant. And, and just one final question, Alex, if I may. Um, you're a relatively new part of the EMA board. And we're, we're very lucky to have you based on your background. Can you please tell us just what it's like to be, be on the EMA board? Uh, I'm uh, very proud and uh, honored to be a board member of EMA because EMA is an organization with more than 135 years of history. And um, 
my presence at board uh, is a strong message uh, that uh, EMA is committed to representing not only the mainstream but also the mi migrant communities. Yes, so I'm looking forward to uh, working with other uh, fellow board members and uh, continue to uh, serve as a bridge between the mainstream, if you like, and the migrant communities. Brilliant. Look, thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciate your insights. And for all you people watching, I know you've got some great takeaways there from Alex. If you've got questions about anything we've covered or want more information, please just write in comments and, and we'll get back to you. But thank you for watching EMA Cast and make sure you look out for our next board members. Um, we're going to cover all of them over the, over the period. And thank you for watching.